Welcome, everyone, to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian-American conversations about all things, including the topics you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Hula Ramos, and joining me today is my co-host, Sheena Yap Chan. How are you, Sheena? Hey, Hula. I'm doing very well today. Thanks again for having me. It's been such an honor to be here hosting with you. And today I have a very special guest. She was actually on my podcast uh, last year. And she has such an amazing story because, you know, she's an actress who's been in Hollywood for over five decades. And she just has an amazing story of how she became an actress in Hollywood. And, you know, being an Asian woman, trying to be an actress in like the 50s and the 60s is not something that's very typical, right? Um, and just the way she right. just describes it and, you know, just being a a trailblazer for so many other Asian people who want to be in the entertainment space. You know, this is just a story that everyone needs to hear. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Irene Sue. Irene, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Thank you. Thank you. Great. It's great to live in Los Angeles. The weather is so beautiful. I mean, blue skies, you know, even though traffic is back, but you know, <laughs> still very, very thankful. Absolutely. Irene, let's start off from the very beginning. You know, share with us your background, you know, and how you ended up here in the United States. Well, I was born in Shanghai and uh, I left when I was three years old. So don't really, you know, couldn't say I know, remember Shanghai. But, uh, uh, you know, things that you think you remember or your maybe your mother told you or something, you know, so that's right. how it is. And um uh, I, you know, came to uh, when we lived in Hong Kong when I was in elementary school, and came to the United States uh, and when I was eleven, going on twelve, and uh, somehow ended up in New York only because we have relatives there. My mother is one of six sisters. Yeah, so we somehow went to live in New York, and uh, it was decided that we should live in. Lachuan, New York, which is uh, sort of upstate a little bit, you know, so we never really lived in a Chinese community. And, um, uh, you know, we uh, lived with, I guess it was an aunt or somebody like that. And um, uh, we were, uh, I mean, I was allowed to watch uh, TV uh, on Saturday night only. And uh, my sister, uh, who's younger, and she was in elementary school, and I must have been in sixth grade or whatever, or, you know, seventh grade, because in Hong Kong, it's kind of different, because because they form one to form form five, and, you know, here we have middle school. It was all kind of new to me once we moved into Manhattan, and uh, where my mother, she's a very, very good artist, and she started Mm -hmm. working um you know for you know an art um they were textile designers that's what they were called so uh, she she was doing textile designing for a firm and uh, so i was you know we moved to manhattan and uh, so we moved into um an apartment which was owned by her art teacher from china and he's very famous and there were just world-class paintings in in that apartment. It's a 13-room apartment. 
And little did I know that they were, you know, such famous Chinese artists and they got them out before, you know, the communists, before the communists took over and uh, because they wanted to save those paintings. And I, as a child, really didn't know what they were. So I would be roller skating into those. You know, one was a five-piece gold, uh, uh, you know, like a folded-up thing. You know, I would use it as a room divider. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so yeah, so it was it was very interesting growing up, and I really. Never thought about being an actress. It was a kind of complete of an accident. I mean, I have to tell you that I, my first passion was to be a ballerina. I, I wanted to be, uh, I guess I saw a poster in, in Hong Kong uh, at a bus stop or something. And uh, it was like, it, it was called the Red Shoes. And I was mesmerized by those red ballet shoes. So I did begged my mother to, you know, take me to ballet school. So we, I entered, went to the ballet school since I was eight, eight or nine years old. And um, every four years, uh, at that time, Hong Kong was very British. It was part of the Commonwealth, they called it. And so I go, okay, you know, so the, my teacher enrolled me into this test or exam that they have once in every four years uh, in Hong Kong. So I went and uh, I don't know, I was told to do a series of, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> series of steps and a little car, you know, mm -hmm. combination of some sort. And I got a month later, they said that I won. And won what, you know? To the, to the Royal Ballet. It was called the Sadler's Wells Ballet at the time in London. Wow. So, yeah. So, you know, I was a little scrawny kid. So my father flew in from Taiwan and had a meeting with them in the high rise, uh, you know, in Hong Kong. And so uh, I'm just standing there holding my mother's hands, you know, very scared. And so... My father, you know, asked them, you know, what what is this? So they told me that it was, uh, I would be, you know, told to sleep, went to sleep, eat what they wanted me to eat, and then I would have my regular school like four hours a day and have ballet training like five hours a day. I mean, it was just like going into a convent or something. Right. And, uh, and not only that, there's no guarantee that you're going to be a prima ballerina or in the court of the ballet, you know. And uh, then you would have to work for them for seven years, like an indentured servant, uh, to, to pay off your training, so to speak, you know? <laughs> so, and my dad looked at me and go, wow, this little, <laughs> this little girl or kid is never going to be a prima ballerina. I mean, look at her. Because not only you have to do everything they tell you, but you have to measure up. Because they gotta, you know, have all to be about the same size. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, uh, right. In, in the, the ballet, right? You can't have one short one and one very tall and one, you know. So, um, you know, so he just said no right then and there. But also because we had applied to come to the United States, 
and it took like about six or seven years or whatever the process was. And uh, we came to America under the Refugee Relief Act, that was mm. called. Yeah. And uh, so we came and uh, on a boat, you know. <laughs> so, right. Uh, yeah. You know, um, landed in San Francisco and uh, under the, you know, the Golden Gate Bridge. San Francisco is a breathtaking place. It's really, really beautiful. I don't know where you guys are, but, um, right. uh, you know, San Francisco is a beautiful, physically beautiful city. So we went there and instead of flying to New York, we took a train because we had so much luggage or something. <laughs> I mean, so much <laughs> furniture. I don't know, whatever it is. So, uh, so we took a train and uh, went to New York, and I don't know how many days it took. And, you know, I've never seen snow before in my life. So my sister and I ran out and carried, you know, snow into the, into the train. And my mother said, oh, get, you know, get out of here. And so and this is how we ended up in New York. And now, uh, uh, I don't know, after, after a few years, I... Uh, started taking dance lessons because that's my love you know that's my true love and somehow i went to a audition for flower drum song uh and uh, i came out to los angeles and in flower drum song i've never been in a movie before and i didn't really really know that they have created an entire grand avenue on the stage you know mm-hmm. and uh so i i was one of the dancers and uh <laughs> you know, and but uh, that was sort of a jazz dancing, you know, not ballet. But right. when you're a dancer, you're a dancer, you pick up, you know, the jazz dancing meaning that it's the kind of thing that they have in West Side Story or something like that, you know. Right. And, right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so the director of Flower Drum Song actually told me that he was doing a movie, you know, after this one. Um, called uh uh whatever he didn't tell me the name he said you know when you can stop by the office uh, i will give you the script i've never read a script before i didn't know you know what's what and he said uh with jimmy and i don't know who he meant jimmy who jimmy you know so i asked around the set and i said you know he's doing a movie with jimmy who who is jimmy they said oh jimmy stewart you know who is huge actor i mean he if you look him up and you know he is just a brilliant huge actor mm-hmm. and uh and so sure enough i ended up in this movie and uh he said do you speak french i said well you know i had some you know like uh you know middle school or high school french because of ballet everything the terms are in french and I go, okay, well, you know, uh, <laughs> you know <laughs> so I, I saw something French. I didn't know that the whole thing was in French because apparently in this movie, it was like Jimmy Stewart goes to Paris to look for his daughter, who he can't find somehow. And he was looking all over Paris and then ended up in a bar. Uh, and I'm this French hooker who said, oh, a customer. At last, <laughs> you know, so I went to 
I'd go up the drink land and help him dial the phone and, and uh, you know, speak French. So my whole first movie was entirely in French. And, I, uh, I love that. I feel like then that was the start of like an incredible career. I'm looking over your filmology here and it shows, you know, you know, you had a lot of great films in the 60s and 70s, even TV shows. People may have seen you on uh, Perry Mason TV show, yeah. My Favorite Martian, I Spy. I mean, these are legendary TV shows and movies. You are on Paradise, Hawaiian style, women of the prehistoric planet, like so many amazing films and TV shows. Yeah. Um, my, my question for you is, you know, you, you've dealt with so much, you know, obviously you, you turned into, you know, this actress being able to uh, fulfill roles that a lot of Asian women weren't being able to be given. How was that for you? Did like, did your, even your identity, like, did you even think like, oh my gosh, I'm getting these roles and I'm an Asian woman, or was that not even a thing for you? Did you not even think about that? I, I didn't think about it. Usually, you know, it's uh, you have to go through the regular casting process, but I was always taking lessons, going to workshops, and I had to get an agent. And I had this agent who was this Japanese man, and he was just, just incredible. I don't know if you had a chance to uh, read my book, my, uh, uh, you know, uh, your memoir. Yeah, my memoir, and uh, published by Bear Manor Media, and they, you know, fast-tracked it out last year because they figured that people were staying home and may read a little more, you know, whatever it is. So it's been a very, very strange year. So, uh, so you know, <laughs> so I was, it was a, took a lot of time to, um, to, to, to write it, and I didn't know where to start, but the reason I wrote it was because I had a college professor that always wanted me to write a book, and I said, Tom, I'm not a writer, I'm an actor, I'm like, I, I don't know, you know. So. Right. No, it's it's amazing. For those that um, you know, we'll we'll definitely put a link to um uh the book um where you can get it, but it's called A Watercolor Dream: The Many Lives of Irene Sue, and it definitely you have this metaphor of using watercolor brush strokes to kind of describe your life starting off as a, a ballerina and then becoming this amazing actress and I love it. I love the metaphor. I love the beauty of the title and I love how it eloquently, you know, talks about your life, especially the fact that you talk about everything including okay, let me just dive into a couple things. You met and smelled Elvis Presley? Well, yeah, the thing was that, you know, I was casted into this. Somehow they always cast me as a Kind of Polynesian or whatever. Right, you know? right. And, and uh, uh, so I, you know, I went to the audition and I and I got the part. So next thing I know, I was in in uh, you know Honolulu at the Polynesian Culture Center. I suppose it's still there. It is still and, there. Yes, uh, it's still there. Okay, good. I mean, it is one of my favorite places because you know the air there is so good. Oh yes. And so um, yes, and uh, and I have a lot of friends there, and so I I was uh, you know just went to lunch and just made, basically I wasn't working that day and just to greet everybody, say hello, whatever. So I went back to the my dressing room to uh, lie down for a while, you know, and the air condition wasn't working, you know, uh -huh. so nothing uh -huh. was working. So I thought I better go out to find somebody to fix it. 
And uh, so I went out and uh, and I didn't know which way I was going. And I was walking, you know, and all of a sudden I felt a hand, like, you know, right? <laughs> and like, the 10 inches from me. And I go, oh, my God, I looked up. And it's a wait a minute, where are you going? I said, well, I was thinking, you know, my air conditioning wasn't working. And I thought to, you know, just lie down somewhere, you know, where it's cool. He said, well, i got to check with Elvis. <gasps> and I thought, holy crap, holy <laughs> crap. So so he comes back in two seconds and he says, fine, sure, you can come in, you know, young lady, just follow me. So I went there and uh, they put me in some kind of room, which of course is cool. Uh, It was a Queen's hut or Queen's shack or Queen's uh, place. So I was laying down in what seems to be like a, a massage table. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and 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 they brought a towel, you know, and just uh, covered me up. And I just kind of closed my eyes and drifted off. And I didn't know. Time passed. I just looked up, and I I, I woke up and, I, and and there was Elvis, like about twelve <gasps> inches from my head, putting a cold compress on my head, forehead. And I I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Is this what even this guy looks like? You know, <laughs> you know nobody really looks like Elvis. I don't think anybody still looks like Elvis. So, um, so he said, you know, can you, you want something to drink or something to eat or whatever? And I, I didn't know what to say. So the first thing that came into my senses was that he smelled like, you know, talcum powder or milk. Talcum powder or milk. I love that. I I mean, looking at him, you know, he's so classy and you see all those old movies and you you hear his music. And and I love that. I love that Elvis smells like talcum powder and milk. Uh, That's that's a beautiful memory. And then also, you know, not to jump the gun or anything, but a little birdie told me you're also associated with one Frank Sinatra. Can you share I, I don't that? Know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was just uh, I I did a very big commercial for Standard Oil, you know, at uh-huh, that time, right. you know, sixty nine, seventy, or whatever. And uh, I was uh, because I was a dancer, and then you know, it was uh, they said, well, you know, do Tahitian, and I said Tahitian, and then like uh, you know, I was, I'm a ballet dancer, a jazz dancer, but Tahitian. He said, you know, you got a whole day, you know, go get some tapes or something and, and learn it, you know. Right. Tahitian dancing is not easy. I mean, real Tahitian dancing. They've been doing it since they were kids, you know. Right. And, uh, and uh, I go, oh, okay, you know. So, uh, would you know, I mean, the thing, it, being an actor or in any kind of business, you, you, you have to have some gift. And then you have to have luck. And then the timing. So when I met Sinatra, I mean, he saw me on TV like 40 times a day because that, that commercial was running so much, you know. And mm-hmm. actually, I was in two commercials at that time, the Hawaiian Punch. I become kind of their national spokesperson and uh, uh, did all the posters and whatever, whatever. And uh, uh, then I, you know... I was in. I was doing the commercial. The commercial is like a series, you know, because it's uh, out of Madison Avenue, and the executives 
go wherever they wanted to go, you know, take their families, you know, shoot it in the Bahamas, shoot it in Hawaii, shoot it in whatever, you know, I had my personal makeup person and personal, you know, uh, wardrobe person. <laughs> I think there was a lot of wardrobe, but, uh, but uh, uh, that's what happened. My agent calls me and said, you know, you should look up so-and-so. You know, I had just done a picture with Doris Day. And uh, he's in, he's in um, Miami, and uh, you gotta go look him up and have lunch with him. And he's a very very nice man. So I said sure. I called him up, and sure enough, two days later, he he said, well, you know, I want you to have lunch with me at the Fountain Blue in Miami. You know, Fountain Blue. I guess it's still there. I don't know some big hotel. I've never been there. So I got there, and uh, and I thought it was just him and me having lunch, but there was like a whole table of people seven, eight, nine people were there. And the only seat that was, you know, empty, <laughs> I had to go sit there. And I looked up and there was Frank Sinatra, you know, and, and I thought, you know, oh my gosh, you know, where am I going to look at? I don't want to be staring, you know. And <laughs> I don't want to be staring. So I kind of kept kept, you know, my eyes suit to the plate of food and, you know, kept eating it. And uh, when I finished eating, I was very happy and and just say goodbye and I got to go back to work or whatever, whatever, you know. And that was it. So I thought, wow, that'd be very nice to tell my sister or my friends, guess what, I have this lunch with Frank Sinatra. And, right. Uh, and so... <laughs> Little did I know, two weeks later, I'm back in L.A., and I was in a private club in Beverly Hills, uh, you know, was sitting there. It was very crowded, as usual, and people were dancing, whatever. And I had to go to the ladies' room, and I saw this line to the ladies' room. I don't know what what is going on. So I went there, waited in line, and sure enough, there was Frank Sinatra in, in the corner booth with another actor who I worked with, you know, another Italian, you know, <laughs> they're, they're the Italian people, you know, Harry Gardino or something. They're all from Jersey, you know. You know right. So, and uh, it's like an Italian enclave or something. So he said, come on, come on, sit down, you know, say hello, how have you been, or whatever it is. So I squeezed into the booth, and there he was again. I go, oh, my gosh, this is, this is like, you know, now this time he's a little bit more relaxed. The guy is never relaxed. Okay, I, mean, I guess how can he be because he's been in the public eye for so long, you know? Right, and, right. Uh, so I thought, wow, that was it. I had met him twice now, you know. So I went home. And, and the next day, would you know, a restaurateur who used to be an actor, and he was a very famous restaurant in in, um, in Los Angeles, calls me up and said, you know, I have a dinner, you know, favorite table waiting for you tonight, 7.30, okay? And um, I said, well, what are you talking about? You know, he said, Sinatra, he's uh, – Order that special table, and he's gonna pick you up at seven thirty. Okay, be on time. Make sure because very punctual. And I just went into a total, you know, shock. <laughs> 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 is like, you know, like what to wear. You know, women always think about what am I gonna wear to the dinner thing with a virtual stranger. You know. 
and that was how it started. And um, uh, he was actually just got divorced from the Pharaoh, and um, she um, she was like my age, I think, you know. And uh, and uh, you know, at that time, I don't think too many men were interested in Asian women. You know, he was like really ahead of his time. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh, this is really terrible. What am I going to wear? So the phone rings promptly, like at, you know, five minutes to seven. Baby, who the hell is that baby? You know, she's like, ah, you know what? I can't go home because all the paparazzi are all over in front of my house. I'm heading down to New Jersey, and I want you to come down this weekend. So and so is going to pick you up, blah, blah blah blah. And I did like almost didn't hear a word, you know, of what he said. I was just so relieved that I didn't have to go to dinner. You know, I just kicked off my high heel shoes, and you know, oh my god, I could order a pizza and just. Oh gosh, just lay down. So that's how it started, really. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's a great story that you shared. And I know you have worked with <laughs> a lot of big name actors and actresses. And you were also recently one of the voices of um, a, a Netflix uh, animated movie, right? Over the Moon, which I really enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. I oh. love. I love showing my yeah. nephew that because you know we never had movies that really <laughs> had like Asian representation and. You know, who are some of your favorite actors that you've worked with over the time in your whole, like, acting career? You know, I mean, they're all great in their own ways, you know. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, I, I guess, like like I said, you know, you have to have some gifts and you have to have uh, some luck and uh, timing. And uh, I definitely enjoyed, you know, Elvis. But, you know, there's no rehearsals with these major stars like John Wayne and, you know, the Greenberries. They don't rehearse. I mean, you show up on the set and play basically, you know, uh, whatever you have to do, you have to do. So, uh, uh, which was kind of, you know, scary, right? And uh one of the sets I was on was really very disrespectful, was Wonder Woman. You know, people are playing cards and listening to radio and everything, so you, you want to rehearse or something, and and you can't even, you know, you know, hear yourself or concentrate because it does take a lot of concentration. Filmmaking is not easy because I'm just only dealing with in front of the camera because behind the camera so so much things goes on. I mean my God, it's a it's a very tech industry, you know. I, I heard uh, because I'm a member of the Motion Picture Academy uh, of uh, Arts and Sciences, uh, I you know, a lot of times I have uh, gone to screenings and they would have uh, people, you know, over they would have like Martin Scorsese and and they were talking about how he was shooting the Irishman, I believe it was a few years ago, right? And they had nine cameras going at the same time, you know, doing like close-ups and medium shots or long shots and master, you know. What are some of your latest um, projects that you're working on now? Interestingly, uh, the year that I, I did uh, um, uh, Over the Moon uh, was because... Um, I also did a, a TV series. It was Netflix Universal TV called Away, and it stars uh, Hilary Swank. And we filmed it in uh, Vancouver. And Vancouver is a beautiful city, also, but it rained nonstop 
you know, and just, you know, just for like five days or four days, uh, it just rained nonstop. So I didn't want to stay any longer, but, you know, also getting the visa to Vancouver and everything, it was just a little bit of a hassle, I would have to say. And I had never met any of the actors. And um, I played the mother to one of the, uh, uh, you know, astronauts. It's about a uh, kind of a sci-fi, you know, not sci-fi, but it's a mission to Mars, a three-year mission to Mars. And um, they, uh, they, they wanted me to speak Beijing dialogue. You know, it's really not just your Mandarin because... Beijing dialect, so I had a dialect coach there because it's very you know, it's all like very tongue curling, you know, very not easy if you don't speak it every day. But as an actor, you know, you you do what you have to do. So I had a dialect coach and. Uh, uh, and did that, and not only that, and there's post, there's always post-production that you have to go show up at a certain time and and do whatever it is that you have to do and uh, uh, <laughs> and do the whole thing over again. I thought, oh my God, I did the whole thing already in Vancouver. Do I have to do that? You have to show up at this time because the guy that is listening to your voice is in Singapore. Okay. Oh, wow. I said, yeah. So it's like everywhere people, and I go, oh, okay, you know, so I showed up there and did the whole thing again. Uh, and, you know, it's a it's a very uh, difficult business because, like I said, making a film is not, not definitely not an easy thing. Yeah. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't seem like it is. But I, I feel I've already I'm I'm online right now. I've already put in my Amazon cart a watercolor dream, the many lives of Irene Sue. It's already in my cart. I'm about to push uh, by because I want to know more about your life. Uh, you're just fascinating. I wish we had more time with you. Um, but for those of you that are wanting to learn more um, about her memoir, it's called A Watercolor Dream, the Many Lives of Irene Sue. Irene, is there um social media or how can people follow up on your latest adventures well social media or facebook you know uh, you know fortunately or unfortunately we're all a little bit visible in facebook i do check it every other day or so but i'm not uh you know i'd rather go back to art where right. my passion is right now i really want to paint myself. no that's amazing yeah and you can also i know i looked up your you have imdb so there's a a different a, a ton of different ways we can uh interact with you irene I, thank you so much for being on our show today we appreciate your time and we appreciate your stories thank you so much Thank you. Thank you so much. And, I want uh, thank you. <laughs> no, absolutely. I want to thank our guest today, Irene Sue, for joining us. To learn more about today's show, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. Also, if you have any suggestions for future topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And until next time, I'm Hula Ramos. And on behalf of my co-host, Sheena Yap-Chan, we'd like to thank you for listening. And please join us for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices radio show. We'll see you next week, everyone.